0: Let me tell you how it will be. We'll all catch up on the books you see. Cause it's the X-Men. Yeah, it's the X-Men. It is the X-Men and this is episode 213 of the Weird Science Marvel Comics Podcast. And before I get into 4X Books... I'm going to tell you where you can find us. You can go over to Twitter at WSMarble Comics. You can go to our website, Comics.com. and you can go to our Patreon account. That is Patreon.com slash weird science, where you can support us for all of these episodes, plus get more and more episodes each level you go up. One of the big things we do is the... Marvel Comics Patreon-only spotlight, two books each week, Wednesday nights, where me and Brandon get together and talk about them. They're picked by the Bad Butts of the Get Fresh crew, boop, and this past week they picked Web of Venom Wraith number one and Rise of Ultraman number one, so if you wanted to listen to those, head on over to our Patreon to listen, but... We're gonna get into, or I'm gonna get into four books here on the X side of things as we head off to the Ten of Swords story. So we're gonna get some things that are gonna be put out there that okay, that's that's heading towards that. Things like that. Of course, Excalibur being a big book that is going to lead us into the Ten of Swords, a book that I haven't really been enjoying that much myself, but It is important. So we're going to go off right now, and we're going to start with Excalibur. All right, and Excalibur, number 11, is written by Teeny Howard, art by Marcus Toe, colors by Eric Garcianega, letters by VCs Ariana Mayer. The green and the white, Excalibur seeks to plant a Krakoan gate in Otherworld, as befits a mutant Captain Britain. But their actions have drawn the attention of the omniversal Major Opal, Luna, Saturnine, and her priestesses whose attack badly wounded Shogo. And that simply can't stand. It can't run either or jog or lay down. It can't do anything because it's nonsense. And speaking of nonsense, I don't like this book. And I saw online this past week somebody... With good intentions, I believe, I would love to believe this, that they said, listen, this whole Excalibur deal, people are crapping on it, and I think it's because it's a woman writer, because Teeny Howard is a woman writing it. And I sat and thought about that and I thought, well, that's bull crap. Because if you do see a lot of people, you know, crapping on a book, for the most part, it's because the book isn't great. Because the book is not that good. Now, there is a little extra thing involved, I think, with this Excalibur book. Number one, there's a lot of X books out there, and some people do have to make choices. They can't buy them all. So you end up with people saying, which seems negative, but, hey, I'm dropping Excalibur. I don't think it's that good. It's it. But it's almost they have to. There's also some that are going well. I ended up dropping Excalibur early. I didn't like it. I didn't think it was good. But now I got to read it because of this Ten of Swords. And now they're pissed. Like, you're you're making me read a book that I don't like. In the meantime, there's just other people saying it's just not that good. There's where I am. I don't think this book is good. I think that this book meanders through stories. Stories never seem to end. And then when they do, you think that they barely even started. I mean, you have this whole thing where one of the major things of this book to start with was Betsy being the new Captain Britain, the mutant Captain Britain. Oh, my God. Nobody wants a mutant Captain Britain. I'm not really getting really why or how or what. But with that, you end up having her then having to fight her brother, Brian, who is being controlled by the new ruler of the other world, Morgan Le Fay. We barely got anything from Morgan Le Fay except that she didn't like the Krakoan weeds getting in her bathtub, actually her scrying pool. But you end up with just that. Then she's defeated. Jamie Braddock is put in her place to rule Otherworld. We barely know what he's been doing. Even here, you get this deal. Oh, you don't know what he's been doing. Neither do I. Because we go through things, then we end up having a hunt for werewolf skulls that seemed like it was going to be this big, big, huge thing. It just is a GPS to lead to the Starlight Citadel, which then that kind of just been hanging around and the whole, you know, Saturnine thing. Just again, you're not getting much of either side of a fight. You're not getting much character work of anything, especially who would be. The bad guys. And so when you end up having the Excalibur team going around, I don't ever feel like what they're doing is big or important because it's not set up well. It's not set up for me to care. And I go into this book wanting to care. I am not, you know, a Captain Britain fan. I don't know much about Captain Britain. I wanted this book to. Give me the idea of why Captain Britain, why this Excalibur team is so cool. In the meantime, you have Gambit and Rogue, two awesome X-Men who most people love, and they just hang around in the background. They don't do much. Yes, at one point you even had Rogue in a coma being the lighthouse and Gambit grumbling and mumbling that he didn't trust Apocalypse. But there's not a lot for anybody to do, even though the team isn't that big. You know, we we argue a lot of times about, oh my god, with twelve characters on a team, there's not enough space for each character. The issue here is just there's just not much story for anything with the character to do. And so when you end up saying, I think that this book is being crapped on because it's a woman writer, I think that's complete bullcrap. And and I will have a, an aside if you are listening and you're saying, well. I don't like it because it's a woman writer. Please just stop listening now because I, I don't even want to have your bad karma seeping through my computer because that's awful. And and there's no reason to do that. For the most part, you know, you read a story, you like it or don't like it. but Please don't not like it just because a woman wrote it. But on the flip side, and there's always a flip side. And this is why I end up kind of getting in the argument about the big, you know, comics gate SJW deal because – there's there's always a flip side. And what I've learned in my lifetime is that nobody's really great. <laughs> Most people giving it to their own devices are pieces of crap. And so when one side is looked at as, oh, that's horrible, 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 there's usually something bad on the other side as well. And the idea of saying, hey, this book isn't being looked at as a great book because a woman's writing it, Let's flip it again. And the flip side is, Please don't try to say that you're going to defend the book, a bad book. Say that it is good just because a woman's writing it. Just go by the book. Go by the book, and if you like it, you like it. That's up to you. As Bobby Brown once said, that's your prerogative, and I don't like it. And it has nothing to do with except what's in and what isn't in the story. This is going to give you some things, though— That are going to push us towards the Ten of Swords, this issue. And I think that this issue is a little more readable than some of the others that we got. And at least if it's pushing towards the whole Ten of Swords, it does then try to make it feel important, right? It starts to feel a bit important. But we start with these green priestesses of Saturnine. They are the hippies of Saturnine. They are walking around, dancing in the woods. You know, all that sort of nonsense. And they are actually taking care of Shogo. They end up having Jubilee in kind of a prison, a prison that's a big tree, but it's only because she is totally insane, going wild because of the idea that her baby is hurt. In the meantime, they do recognize that Shogo in dragon form isn't like other dragons, it seems to want its mother. And they just don't realize that its mother, his mother, is, you know, two feet away in their tree prison. But, you know, Jubilee won't come down. So you end up having Excalibur, the team, show up, Captain Britain, Betsy, leading the pack there as they come in on flying rocks that Richter is controlling to attack what they must think is some bad priestesses who have captured both Shogo and jubilee so they come in you know rooting tootin', and guns a while you end up having these green priestesses they get their bows out and they're gonna they're gonna defend themselves they're gonna fight as well all of a sudden you have two of these ladies then it morphs into like seven but then they disappear but you end up with them you know hey doesn't captain britain know who we are and the other lady's like oh she must not okay get your bow we're not going to be able to explain ourselves anytime soon you have full out attack gambit's going ham he's throwing his cards like it's you know three days from sunday everything's going oh my god it's such a battle oh what's gonna happen well we stop then to get a quick one of these dossiers that we have in a lot of the x-men book if not all of them and this explains the differences between the white and the green priestesses now I have a very bad attention span, as everybody knows. When I see a lot of words, especially in a comic, a lot of times I'll skip it. But if you skip this, it's not played out well because it does tell you what the priestesses of the white and the priestesses of the green, what they're about. The priestesses of the white, they are at beck and call the lady Saturnine. They do what she says. They do her bidding. Priestesses of the green, though, they follow her teaching. But they believe there's a balance. They don't necessarily have to do what she says if it goes against the teachings and the intent that they believe in. But it's not looked as bad. This is checks and balances. I kind of like this idea. But when you go out of this, go to the credits page, then go to the recap page, all of a sudden the fight's over. It never really explains what happened. And I think that even though you can assume, oh, we just read the green, they're not really that bad with the Lady Saturday and they do their thing and whatever. I still think I needed a little more of on the page because you have battle. Oh, my God, all hands on deck. World War eight. Boom. You just come out of that where you have Jubilee crying in her little prison and Betsy outside talking to her. Telepathically, about how she needs to calm down if she wants to see Shogo. That these green priestesses are taking care of her little boy and they are trying to, you know, help and whatnot. So Jubilee finally, it, she's going crazy still, and then just out of nowhere crying, Yeah, I'm done. I want to see my boy. But you could have done this before, but even so. The idea of that progression fight to this, it it was a little jarring and it's something that always seems to happen in this book where you go from scene to scene and things don't quite end. Things pick up from something that wasn't set up, all these things. Now, I will also point out something uh, of that nature in that little dossier where we see the priestesses of the green. We've kind of seen the white, but even so, you end up having the description of the priestesses of the white only leave their lady's tower by donning their crescent diadems and taking a nearly faceless form, obscuring their own identity, so they may act in anonymous accordance with Lady Saturnine's will. Well, we'll see them later, they, they, they don't look like they're doing that, and so you set something up that you don't end up having art-wise later, it felt weird, but you end up having... Jubilee there gets to go see Shogo. I'm gonna lay down with him, trying to nurse him back to health here in the other world. And there's a there's a good little clever deal with it to explain why they don't just go through a portal. The why they don't have Betsy just take him back to Krakoa and heal Shogo there because you would think he could be healed a lot better on Krakoa. But the idea is this wound is so big they're afraid it's bigger than Shogo himself. It kind of plays out well, but maybe not when you think about it because of growing bigger and little. You would think that it would be relative to your actual, you know, body in either form. But they say they're afraid that maybe they would go out into Krakoa. And once they got out of that portal, it would just he'd just be goo. He'd just be, you know, blood, a blood splatter. So they have to let him stay there. It's kind of a forced way to make him stay. But at least Teeny Howard is pointing out why. She's going to do this. Well, you end up with the rest of this issue. You're going to have Richter go on an side quickly. But the big thing still is Betsy wondering why, you know, Lady Saturnine is hiding everything from her. Why won't she accept me? What is going on with all of this stuff? Well, they need to plant this plant. They need to plant the Krakow Gate. And so they're sitting there and they even say, listen, we already tried going, you know, full out assault. We flew in. They shot down Shogo. So we're going to have to sneak in. Now, in the meantime, w- why don't they do that at night? I know this involves magic and things like that, that maybe the cover of night would not do them as well as I would think. But they actually, we're going to sneak in. We, we really have to be stealth. So let's go to sleep now and we'll do it bright and early. We'll start the next day when the sun is shining down, right? The the thing is, though, it's because Teeny Howard already knows that's not what they're going to do. They're not going to actually just go out, you know, assault again. They're going to figure out something that is kind of a twist and turn that we get with Richter. They all go to bed still. The idea that they don't just go right then and there as the sun is setting, as it's dark and they get. No, they're going to wait. So they all fall asleep. Richter as you know he's a light sleeper he's got a little insomnia he heads off he needs to go for a walk and again he walks right into a a couple green priestesses now in full out you know druid type form here they have antlers and they're with a big crystal this is all set up I mean it's exactly what Richter would be involved with what he needs and when he gets near the crystal because of the power of it he ends up being able to contact or be contacted from Apocalypse. Who ends up saying, "I've been trying to get a hold of you, buddy, but I thought that you know your walkie-talkie deal uh, was out of batteries." And that would have been funny as he's talking that they have to say "over" at the end, but they don't. But he ends up telling him, "Hey, you know, now I can hear you through this. Let me tell you a story. This is it's story time now because with that the setup of the." Ten of Swords is even as you end up having Richter get to... This area and the other priests of the green, they're talking about a big war coming, a big war that's going to change things, something that nobody's ever been involved with. You end up having these priests of the green with Richter saying that, you know, more power is made from more blood that's made from more war. And there's a big war coming, all these things that the blood seeping into the ground gathers in these crystals. There's all these things. And so then Apocalypse is going to tell a little tale about crystals and about power. And about how the High Lords or Externals end up being a group as First Coven. And they end up sharing a power deal that if one dies, the others absorb that power. They get all more powerful. But then you end up having a ritual done with Kondra, who ends up being a tie-in to Gambit in this book as well. But Kondra decided she didn't want to share anything if she dies. So she put her power in a crystal. And, you know, it was this whole thing about... Yeah, you know, and it's kind of bull crap because that's stealing the power deal. But it it just these things should be important when we get on to 10 of swords. It may be more important to people who are a little more in the know, but it's it's all set up in my mind where Richter hears all this. And like I said, he ends up waking up. Going around, I'm going to go for a walk, stretch the legs, find exactly where he's going, where these two priestesses are, which allows Apocalypse then to talk to him and even ties in a little with what they had said before Apocalypse does that. Well, the setup is, you know, hey, get that gate going. And also even that, hey, Apocalypse, we, we didn't get that gate. Oh, that gate, that's not really that important you know we still want to do that and everything happens in this book it's like nothing is ever important after it was important but you end up then where the Excalibur team has to say goodbye to Jubilee and Shogo you guys are gonna have to stay here we can't take them back I already explained that and they're gonna go to the Starlight Citadel and see what's what plant this gate you know and check things out and they're like oh what are we gonna do how are we gonna sneak Richter just basically says, well, we won't fly in. Let's go underneath. Let's go underneath. I have my powers, you know, my rock powers. Let's go underneath and we'll pop up, plant that thing and get the hell out of here. Well, when they do go, he ends up popping out, not on the grounds of the Starlight Citadel, but on the nearby mountainside so that we can have a fight. Uh, Again, explain more to me why he doesn't just go right to the grounds they even pop up oh the grounds are over there Th- there's the grounds uh yeah we're we're still going to have to fight so basically you did nothing you you just didn't get shot down from the sky well while this is going on and they're going to fight and that's where you do end up having the white priestesses come out. And I said earlier where they end up being obscured. So they all look like one. Well, you got a blonde, you got a redhead, you got a bl- uh, brunette, you have all diff- different hairstyles. <laughs> they don't look different. It goes against what you told me about them earlier. Well, they're shooting arrows while Richter starts to, you know, get the plant, get the gate going a little earlier. It- it's one of those things. Tanya, my wife, was planning peppers and she started out by putting those in. You know an egg carton you Get them going they sprout then you put them in He's going to do kind of the same thing As he's trying to make this Flower sprout a little as we're Going to go then and plant it as the Gate well we have the big battle Going on again where You have Excalibur going against The white priestesses which They kind of just retreat At one point They there seems To be a lot then there's not You end up having Gambit he's Clearing a path they end up planning the gate and then for some reason they say you know someone has to use the gate why why isn't everybody using the gate i mean this was what you were going to do you went to plant the gate and so it's done well now it's like draw the straws but because richter said somebody has to take the gate he ends up taking the gate and then as he's going through he says oh no don't other world gates need crystals or something well In my mind, this isn't an otherworld gate, really. This is a Korkoan gate. This is not a otherworld gate. Yes, it's an otherworld, but what, you have to learn Russian to use the Russian gate? I mean, this is just a gate, and not a lot of this was set up. It's just thrown at us. It's just thrown in. Oh, my God, we need a crystal for the gate, which then allows Apocalypse now again to get a hold of Richter and says, uh, make yourself like the firmament, my boy, and... (laughs) A place on Earth, an anchor for a location so that I may find you and bring you to me. And then he pops out. It seems like maybe he did, didn't. We're going to have to see. I'm worried that Apocalypse is up to no good and maybe is mm, talking about that crystal and all that earlier. is going to do something to Richter here, but we'll see. But again, these things, you end up going, we're going to plant the gate. You go. You pop out of a mountain. No, no, we got to fight our way there. And, And the fight's only a couple panels doesn't even seem like much of why do that and then you end up planning it oh who's going to go through the gate well why not all of you and also oh no i didn't have a crystal all these things are just thrown at you they're just thrown at you and so you end up then with richter popping out and then you have the excalibur team going up to lady uh, saturnine who comes out and says i don't like you betsy i liked your brother more and then Betsy says, "I'm sorry to hear that because I'm the only cat in Britain you've got." Dan, dan, dan. I'm like, I, I don't even know what you're fighting about. <laughs> you-, you like a brother more. Oh my! But yeah, you know, let's get more into this. And everything's just glossed over nonsense. And I, I end up because I, I get angry at this book. I end up talking way too long about it. Way, way too long. But it's because if I just say, "Ah, I don't like it, Uh, yeah, it's a little bit of bull crap mixed in with some vague references, mixed in with awful dialogue and no character work, then people are, oh, look at that hater. I I feel like I have to explain myself. And I still know that people will just say, look at that hater. So whatever. Whatever's. I give this a 5 out of 10. I did like the art. And there are some things that seem to point towards the Ten of Swords. Those are big. But yeah, everything else is just boom, boom, just thrown at you like it's, you know, just throwing crap against the wall. I almost cursed, but I'm going to move on to the next book that I like a little more. It's just I don't like it as much as some other people do, mainly because, again, it's a story that just doesn't seem that big yet. But we'll get into that now. All right. That next book is Hellions number three, written by Zeb Wells, art by Steven Segovia, colors by David Coriel. And letters by VC's Ariana Mayer. And this is No Love Loss. Krakow offers a fresh start for all mutants, no matter their sordid past. Mr. Sinister has taken command of a team of disreputable mutants, including the allegedly reformed Havoc. And the reluctant team watchdog Psylocke as the new Hellions to destroy his defunct cloning lab and prove themselves productive members of society. But when Madeline Pryor, Jean Grey's clone and Cyclops and Havoc's ex-lover unleashes imperfect clones of the legacy Marauders and Wildchild begins attacking his teammates, it'll be all the Hellions can do to survive the experience. And this book is good. It, it ends up having good art. I like the dialogue. I like some of the character work here. Uh, A a couple of the things get kind of lost in the shuffle. But overall, uh, each issue in my mind can pretty much be summed up in a sentence or two. And everything else seems to be filler in there. Now, it is giving people who are reading the X-Books something different. And I know that people who seem to like this don't just like it. They love it. Um, I'm just kind of in the middle I'm just kind of left wondering why I'm not getting it as much I guess I'm I'm left wondering you know what's going on and why is it you know love so much when again it just seems like a book that is small you, you end up having so far just this Hellions team being put together very quickly to go and burn down Mr. Sinister's clone farm, the orphanage deal, and then when they get there, yeah, Madeline Pryor's there, she has her past with havoc, and then at the end of this issue, all of this issue is about is finding out that Madeline Pryor is pissed off because she thinks she should have been invited to Krakow and wasn't. She thinks that she needs to make her presence felt, and the only way that she can make her presence felt is by hurting people. That's what she does. That's what she's known for, and that's what she will keep doing. In the meantime, you have Havoc kind of stuck in there, you know, being a a zombie Havoc that needs to kind of, you know, spell out the idea that he loved Madeline to hell with Scott and all these things, and I'm going to kick butt and this is what madeline wants to hear but the other big thing of this is that wild child wants to be the alpha or wants to determine who the alpha is and finally psylocke you know pretty much shows him that it's her which again i don't think that shocks anybody i don't think this is a surprise in it and that part just really felt you know extended here it really felt padded out like most of this is but again the art's good and it's not a book that I read and get angry because it does go so quickly. But yeah, you you start out this issue pretty much having Madeline Pryor spell out. She wants the first thing she does is, "Hey, havoc! How can you scream without a mouth?" Ah, he doesn't have a mouth, and then you go where she's going to tell a tale. That starts with what I thought she was singing, the immigrant song, but she ends up going and, you know, hey, here's a tale of somebody who wanted to fondle the sky but was grounded by the touch of another, your brother. Hey, I'm pregnant and I have problems. Hey, and your brother loved me, but you love me too. And hey, I just want to be a girl. That's the song. It's not a great song. But yeah, this whole idea then is just Hey, you know, your brother and you were in love with me. I ended up having a kid. Yeah, you know, Sinister sent people to kill that because they want to wipe it away. All these things going on. But I didn't get an Evite to Krakoa. That's what I'm really, really pissed about. And I am going to rectify that by pretty much growing an army of almost good mutants. They're a little off. You know, the timer didn't quite go off there. They're a little undercooked, but they're fine for what Madeline's plan is uh, to pretty much destroy everybody on Krakoa and let it drown in blood. So you don't really need, you know, fully cooked mutants to do that as long as you have numbers. It's a numbers game here of what's going to go on. and, And pretty much Madeline just pointing out this whole time to Havoc Yeah, and then I'm going to end up, you know, throwing your head at Scott. And then she talks a little more. I just want to be a real girl. And then I'm going to throw your head at Scott. Hey, I just want everybody to realize that I'm pissed off, that I'm not going to. I wasn't invited to Krakow. and then I'm going to throw your head at Scott. It's all these things going in. And again, it, it looks great. It's pretty cool. But. You have that, and then in between, you end up having Psylocke just ripping apart Wild Child, who does end up healing, healing, healing until the very end when you have Psylocke just snap his neck and then, like, hey, I guess you are the Alpha. Finally, finally, you realize this Wild Child. Now let's go clean up this mess. I'm like, all right, yeah, you got that. Because while that is the bookends of it, you end up, again, finding that Madeline is pissed off that she was not invited. And and she has a point, though. She is a clone, all these things going on. But, you know, just the idea that Mr. Sinister is not only just on Krakow, he's kind of a leader there, would really piss her off because he's done a lot of bad things uh, and bad things to her. But even the Hellions who have gone there to get her uh, are pretty bad. I mean, that's why they're on the Hellions. So why didn't she get the invite now she ends up having these not so great clones of the original OG Marauders. And while all this is going on, they are trying to take down either, you know, nanny or orphan maker, but also you end up having John Greg Crow hanging from the ceiling and Arclight is going to eat him in a non-sexy way. And, that's just one of the things because they all have a history with John. and He ends up like, Arclight, boy, you're not one to really do these sort of things. What's going on? I'm like, she's a zombie. That's what's going on, John. Open your eyes. Um, but yeah, with that too, at one point, you end up where John comes to him and realizes, wait, I remember you, Madeline. And she's like, oh, yep, wait a minute. Yep, see? That's the only time people remember me is when I start hurting people and I'm going to stick my fingers in your mouth. And I don't know why of all this, you got zombies going on. You got crazy cannibalism. You got at one point havoc at the very beginning when he ends up getting taken over by Madeline. He picks up a piece of shattered glass and cuts his mouth open. And the thing that disgusts me was that Madeline put her fingers in John's mouth (laughs) He's got hepatitis. But yeah, so all of this going on and and you get humor from this book. The first three issues has at least one little bit of humor. And in, in this book, it is when you have most of these mutant marauders trying to open up. Orphan Maker with his armor, and you get Scrambler getting acid to the face. And, and his face is just destroyed. There's just bone. I still look good. Like, you look great, Scramble. You look great. I don't like Scrambler. I don't like him at all. And even at the one point, he's yelling as he's trying to destroy Orphan Maker. Scramble, scrambled, scrambled. And you end up having Orphan Maker, I know I've been scrambled butt breath, while you end up having Nanny on the side yelling, don't you touch him, he's mine, oh my goodness, and she starts telling a nursery rhyme, and then they just bash her, oh my, but yeah, overall, you you barely get uh, you know, anything real substantial from any except Madeline, who pretty much, you know, says I should have been invited to crack This is just somebody who is butt hurt not getting in, invited and now is pretty much going to cause what she wants to do is the destruction of crack If you don't want to accept me, if you only see me as awful and something that destroys things, well, I'm going to go with that plan. Just to show you, I guess that you're right because I'm going to bring you all down and and then throw your head at Scott is what she says to have it. But with that, it's not bad. I like the art, but it's still to me, it's a seven five. It's around that range. I think that all three issues have been around that range. And overall, uh, again, the best thing I can say is that it doesn't irritate me while I'm reading it, but it also does doesn't elevate itself for me to say, oh my God, it's one of my favorite books. It's one of the best X books. It's just, it hasn't gotten that level with me yet because of this very limited, very you know narrow story. I'd like to say focus, but I'd like a focus story. So at least Seb Wells is doing that, but it's still very narrow and I, I need it to open up a little more than just being you know this one mission that Mr. Sinister, yeah, I, I need my version of the Suicide Squad and I'm going to just send them off to pretty much destroy the one thing that could cause me embarrassment later. So do that. So once we get out of this first arc, then maybe it will open up and I will enjoy it more. But I'm going to go to the next book. And the next book is X Factor number two. Written by Leah Williams. Art by David Baldeon, Colors by Israel Silva. Letters by VCs Joe Caramanga. Special delivery. The circumstances of mysterious death have made painfully clear the need for a team to investigate mutant deaths and disappearances in order to most effectively manage the complicated business of resurrection. X-Factor just became that team. And so we end up having a mystery set up here in the second issue that has nothing to do with resurrection. It doesn't. There's nobody that seems to be going to the five wanting to get a resurrection and then them being told to go to X Factor to get that proof of death. This is just now a murder mystery, which is fine, but it's kind of going against the M.O., also going against how they will get the jobs And also making me wonder why, when we do go off to the Mojo Verse, how they ever even heard of this X-Factor when it seems like it's a day after they have been formed. In fact, just to put a timeline with it, Aurora is just coming back from that morning getting resurrected, where they, they resurrected her and started that at the end of the first mission here. So this whole deal... Seems odd and even if you ended up having that waiting list and things like that it still seems odd to me that it's somebody from Mojoverse that wants them to go and it's mutant it's a mutant death but again where was the time where they wanted the resurrection because why then did they zap in from Mojoverse not using a gate either to deliver a package that has just blood and guts and a pair of ballerina shoes. Why couldn't you just write a letter? Why Why wouldn't you just say, if this was what this book is about, you, you write a letter. Hey, I'm trying to resurrect my sister, but they won't let me do that. I need proof of death. She was murdered in the Mojoverse. That's all you have to do. But you end up starting out with this mysterious package being delivered. And I want to point out that at the end of last issue, at the end of the first issue, you ended up having, you know, that whole... Wow moment. Hey, Forge, what are you doing? Well, I devised this tech here that there's plants all around. And if anybody wants to hire you, they go and they touch the plants and they, they move this and they pull a lever and, and they pray and they do, and a light will light up in the boneyard, the headquarters there. You know, it's going to take a while to get going. Boom. There's a thousand lights that lit up. Why aren't they looking into those? Is that you've already seen all of these things that were people pleading, please go and find my loved one that was dead. Please find the proof of death so I can get my wife, son, husband, all the it back. Nope, we're off the verse because we got a mysterious package that says nothing. It, it, right away, this is complete nonsense. And, and this book, the, the biggest thing that I keep hearing about it is, it's nonsense, but also it reads like fan fiction, and it does. And it reads like Leah Williams is more concerned about saying who's a slut and who's this and who wants to sleep with that a- instead of actually realizing what her story is supposed to be about, what she set it up to be. And Like I said, th- they have pretty much in this have left behind at a wink of an eye a ton of people begging them to go find proof of death for loved ones to get them back off the mojo verse, we go because this book is just there as a joke, and it comes off as one as well, and that's the the thing How there. Dare How dare you indeed? so you end up where this mysterious person listening to some beats eat beats every day. I don't listen to them, but though I've eaten so many of them. I, I probably will think they're talking to me, but ends up there where delivers a package. It, the package even has a, a you know a UPC, a, a scan code deal that they never look into. And why would they have that? Because it just says X factor you have somebody hand delivering it what's going on with this there's a lot of nonsense and aurora as she is coming back from being resurrected there she sees it she picks up the box and she knocks on the door of the boneyard with this and that's where you have north star coming he's happy to see his sister that's nice and hey come on in you know We're going to move you into the room. This is great. Oh, this is the best thing. Hey, what did you bring us a housewarming gift? No, no, this was left outside. You end up having amazing baby come week, week, week. That's how amazing baby barks. And then as they're not paying attention, somehow amazing baby knocks down this package that's filled with pretty much looks like blood. And a pair of ballerina shoes that have a bunch of different sponsors on it. So, again, they're like, oh, my God, what do you think this is? A package of blood? I, I think it's a terroristic attack, is what I think. But they just go right with it. Oh, it- it's a case. It's it's a-, it's a clue. It's forensics. And you end up having iBoy go and get a cop, a mug, scoops it up. Forensics. And the hey, forensics they're going with. I'm like... All right, amazing babies eating this, and they pick up these ballerina type shoes there, and they're like, I don't recognize any of these sponsorship logos. And like, oh, well, let me check into that. And you have prodigies like I will get to the bottom of that. I have multiversal connections and I ran it through my computer that pretty much'll just do anything for us, and boom, Mojo World. It it might as well have just been the setup of Them in the boneyard, hey, what's going on? Mojo world, boom, go. Because this setup, which takes 10 pages, is nonsense. So they go off to Mojo world. You see that there is a gate to Mojo world. They go in, and when they get out into Mojo world, before they leave, you have Aurora who is, you know, having a problem. I've just been resurrected for six hours and I have a headache. And Rachel goes, hey, can you watch Amazing Baby? You're trusting me with a werewolf. Yes, I am. And they go off. She's going to watch, sees what's going on. They end up the rest of them going off to Mojo World where they get in line, though they don't really know why. And they're told that this is where, you know, all of the pods hang out and they're going to go into the Mojo World and they have to get sponsors. And then you get a whole online thing with likes and tweets and favorites and. It, it just it's nonsense, and especially when you're dealing with these other books that I know this one is supposed to be for fun. And I know that you have some characters, but I do like and want to learn more about a bunch of these characters in this book. I'd love to learn more about North Star. I think Polaris is cool. I like Dakin. Prodigy and eh. Prestige. I always like I boys cool. Uh, but yet, iBoy is just seemingly used here as just, you have x-ray vision. Go get him. Go get him, boy. And then just a- out of nowhere, you end up North Star before they even go to Mojo World. From now on, any packages that come here, you scan with your x-ray vision. All right. Then they go off into Mojo World the minute they get there. You go around and look in buildings with your x-ray vision. All right. And then at one point, he shows back up with them kind of unannounced but has turned the other way for some reason it's like he's paul on the sergeant peppers album i think that he might be dead but you end up with all this going on and you're gonna get this you know mojo world deal now the, the craziest thing about this is you need to have aurora and then eventually kyle north star's husband Show, they have to see what's going on. They have to be aware of what the X Factor team is doing. So, before the lead project, She's like, Hey, I, I hooked you up with Mojo Verse Cable here in the Boneyard. All right. All right. So, they're in Mojo Verse. They're trying to figure things out back in the Boneyard. That's when it seems amazing, baby. He's down with the. Interdimensional cable And he said you know he pretty much has Aurora chase him up the stairs So that she's like oh I didn't Know we'd get this cable And and then we just see All of our team sitting in Chairs as they talk Answer questions and Are being rated voted Up down you know all Around by the people Of Mojoverse this fits the Mojoverse deal but it's just It's not giving me anything. And this is the second issue. There are some people like myself that don't know these characters. And just like somebody like, you know, Rachel, this is what you get. She's sitting there. She's not saying anything. And you have a couple internet or Mojoverse net users say, I am frightened yet turned on. Perfect. Exactly. Calculating viewer votes. Oh, thanks. Thanks for that information. You get iBoy. Your votes have been counted, I boy. has been approved for entry. And then so they have a whole mutie boy made of eyes. Baby, baby boy. Th- that That's the info we're getting. And then he says, oh, wow, thank you. You guys are so nice. Ha ha. Like, like this is, like, give us something. I mean, give us a, a joke. If you're going to go jokey, give us a joke. And it's not the only thing funny. As Dakin starts to try to strip. He's gonna he's gonna show his penis. He must have a tattoo on his penis, and he's like, "Hey, you want to see my whole tattoo? SOS, SOS! Stop freaking out and just vote him down, idiots! Calculating viewer votes, you pansies should have let him whip it out. And that that's what you get." Ah, uh, bravo. Bravo, Leah Williams. You, you've made me not care about even more characters than you did before. Thank you. you, 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 you you've, you've accomplished everything that I dreamed you would. So you end up going there where Dagan he gets kicked out and Northstar flips out, says, Hey, you couldn't use your stupid pheromones to charm a few horny shut-ins. I wish he said, well, you kind of can't go through the internet with those. And I was kind of just in a chair by myself, but. He ends up then saying, well, I'm going to go back to your hot sister and bed her down North Star. Smell you later, buddy. Well, of course, Aurora sees that. Oh, my God. He thinks I'm sexy. This is, <laughs> this is what we're getting. And so you go off then and you continue where you ended up having them voted in. But why? Because now you just go through more pages of you don't have sponsors. Like, well, why did we just go through this votes in and out? Is Can Dakin be grabbed back if he has a sponsor? Because they don't have a sponsor. Then you go through where there is a Mojo verse Tech lady. Uh If you want a sponsor, press 1. I don't know where to press. I don't know where to press. boy goes, maybe it's a nose boop. Don't do it. hoo wait, Then you have Mojo show up. Mojo shows up looking disgusting as always. I do like the art in this. But he shows up and says, hey. What up, I'm Mojo, and I'll sponsor this terrible, ugly, X-Factor mutant creatures? So he's just going to sponsor them. We just spent a lot of time wasting, doing nothing. we were almost done the issue. The issue was is almost over. And all that happened, really, is nonsense, nonsense. Mojo's going to sponsor them. Well, he ends up explaining to them, man, you Krakoan freaks, they bump the feeds. You know, everybody loves the muties. You dirty muties are the greatest. I love you dirty muties. And then you have Polaris. Huh, what do you think, North Star? Do it. And then she just ends up being able to control his walking crazy metal machine to go up in the air where North Star then threatens him and says, Shut up, the muties have had enough. That's where Rachel says to Idboy, hey, go around in X ray vision buildings. He's like, on it. And then he comes, hey, we don't get anything. And you end up with Northstar says, tell us what we need to know, and we'll be on our way. So Mojo says, my army's going to kill you. My army's going to kill you. Rachel just destroys him. What army? All right. So now you have Mojo. Fine. I'll talk again. Not really anything going on. Just things happening to fill space it seems and then he he explains that he has set up that there are 5 people on Mojoverse that get so popular on the Mojoverse and and its headshot is is kind of the deal of this that's the big program going on in the internet thing and so there's 5 that are the top they get paid a lot of people try to get to that position they compete and some stupid mutie died competing for a top spot she debuted on spirals showcase and it's funny because prodigy is like okay well i'm a little messed up but at least we know which symbol it is the spiral step i don't I, I, I don't at all I, and he says well we well, knew from before but i saw a lot of things on those shoes and things like that and i, I just this isn't making me want to pay attention anyway well you end up then okay well we'll all meet over at the spiral studio North Star flies up in the air ahead of Polaris, and North Star just yells, North Star, wait, that's not safe, you dumbass. What's not safe? How do you know? What's not safe? He's just flying. He gets shot down, but so does she. So they get shot down by a bunch of these kind of like, I I don't know, they, they look like cyberpunk techie guys who then say, we're a fight pod, we fight. We fight people, and boy, us taking down some muties, that's going to take us up the charts. And you end up just having Rachel show up, and and their inhibitors then end up hitting North Star and Polaris. They can't even talk there. Hey, dad, what's going on? They can't say things right. You just have Rachel come over. Yeah, you guys are idiots. We're going to fight. And so, all right, let's go. We're going to. And this is where all, I boy's just looking the other way. It makes no sense. He's Paul. And so, yeah, there's going to be a fight. They're going to fight the fight pod, fight pod. And then we end up before that fight kicks in. We go back to the boneyard where Kyle is coming back from a long day of work. Ends up seeing Aurora. Hey, sweetie, it's good to see you. Where's my husband? Oh, my God, my husband's on TV. Uh, yeah, the Boneyard gets Mojo vs. Cable. Pat, 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 that she wants to have them um, sit down while they eat popcorn and watch maybe them die. But it just it's just nonsense. It's complete and utter nonsense. And if you want to argue with me that it's fun... There's your argument You can say that It's not fun for me But I think that some people may dig that and, and use this as The book that at least isn't trying to be Ultra serious And set up huge things And this is just there But that's kind of One of the reasons why I like New Mutants already And New Mutants is so much better than this It is so much better than this I still don't expect unless there is some behind the scenes things that X factor is going to tie into something, you know, even post 10 of swords, something like that, that maybe I can't see this book lasting. I can't see this nonsense just going on and on. And we we get another issue this week. This, this book's coming out hot and heavy to catch up to something. I wish it would catch up to a story, catch up to something that makes sense. And I, I do sit here and, I wonder if we will end up ever seeing that deal that Forge set up with all the sparkly lights when people want a thing or that was just thrown out there and left behind. Uh, Most of the things that I've read from Leah Williams, the, the thing that happens is each issue gets more and more off the freaking ranch until it is so convoluted, so just not making sense that things just have to be shut down. Because it, it there's just nowhere else to go, and when you end up having her write this, and she writes some wacky stuff, I'll tell you, you throw that in the Mojo verse, you're really, really asking for trouble. But overall, I'm gonna give this. I like the art. I want to give it a six, but it just really overall too. Just they get it. They get this. Case and then just go to Mojoverse and then they're going to fight a couple People not much has happened here But I'll be positive I'll give it a six Because of the art and Like I said there is a fun factor To it I have fun laughing At it I'm not laughing with it But at least I'm laughing but I'm going to go off now and if if You're sitting there like boy this This was not a positive x-men Catch-up episode You're right it hasn't Been but Things will change. We have one more book left, and I think things are going to go up on the positive tip as I talk about X-Men number 11. Ah, uh, yes. The last book is X-Men, written by Jonathan Hickman, art by Lineal Francis Yu, colors by Sonny Go, and letters by V.C.'s Clayton Cowles. Empire. This is an Empire tie-in. We're, we're going to get done with this Empire stuff eventually, right? Are we? <laughs> oh, my. The Korean scroll empires have united under Emperor Hokling to fight a common enemy, the Celestial Messiah Kwa, and his plant-like Kotati, who have claimed Earth's moon as their own. The X-Men began to fight back on the moon, but in doing so drew the attention of the Kotadi to a much bigger target, Earth and Krakoa. We saw this. We saw that, you know, the stuff that was going on on the moon did point towards Krakoa you end up having one of the dying kotati. He said one word. What was it? Krakoa. So yeah, they're they're on the attack. The the kotati are coming to attack. Now we don't exactly start with that. We start with the reminder of how freaky Summoner is. Oh Summoner, you are a freak. And you end up having, you know, some side mutants, some cool ones, rock slide Loa and all Go and like hey I heard that Summoner was somewhere around here let's Go find him let's see it I heard he's A weirdo let's go And they do end up seeing him like He's just sitting there by himself Talking to himself playing a game I mean Look at him look at that jerk then they Go over to him like hey and He is so freaky summoner It it just he makes He scares me In a way that isn't Like because I'm frightened It, It just freaky which is weird but the the dialogue the looks on the faces all these things where hey what are you doing oh i'm playing a game a game of racco. i've learned to play it as a child but it's certainly not just a game for children i played it many many times <laughs> i'm telling you i'm freaked out and i'm like all right well uh, you know how, how do you play what does what do you do how does it work Oh, that depends on the player actually. Each game is adaptive, it changes. You can play with one player, as I was getting ready to, but it's better with two. And you have an old, what's it called? Oh, in symbols. Oh. The, the word is an Iraqi word. It doesn't translate cleanly. But I suppose the closest thing is trial. Or maybe test would be better. Ah, uh, yes, it's a game about discovering the soft places inside both you and the person you're playing against. How to defend, how to attack. It's a game about weakness. And then you have Rockside. What if you don't have a weakness? Oh, that's how it always starts. <laughs> you are a freak. And so Rockside basically says, yeah, I'm oh you just get, it continues to be just freaky where right? you have some just like, well, excellent. But one word of caution. Once the game begins, we do not stop until it, it ends. Oh, I've missed many a meal that way. <laughs> oh my God. Rock's like, what, what's he eating? Pebbles? He doesn't care. What's he eating? Rock candy? He's like, I'm oh, in. Ends up, you know, choosing a piece. It changes in his hand to him. And you even end up, everybody's like, what's going on? And then you get the last bit of this. uh, Then place your piece anywhere on the board, which just looks like a a tree stump that, you know, cut. Uh, As with life, where you begin has little to do with where you will end. All the moves are yours, and they can take you wherever you choose. Or more importantly, where fate demands. (laughs) And then all of a sudden, the Kotati attack. (laughs) You end up with the, the tink. Of the rock slide piece. Boom. And as he puts it down, Kotadi uh, ships are now attacking, and you end up having Summoner. Well, that's ominous. <laughs> yes, it is. And so are you, you freaky, you freakazoid. But you end up then with the Kotadi attack. Now, we go to a day later when this then goes on. And what we end up doing is having Exodus teaching a lesson to a bunch of. Mutant kids, some of them It seems as if their loved ones Their family and friends have been killed In this Kotati attack You have Exodus spell out that when the attack Happened, they were sent to the Other side of the world, to the Archipelago, all these things going On where they May not know, but you may have heard Whispers of what happened, but I'm Here to tell you the real Story, and, and there's a name That you have to remember, any time Anybody says badass, you say Magneto. It's like a calm response. Badass Magneto. You say, you know, you have all that. But as this is going on, you even see kind of, I I think, maybe a little, you know, of Jonathan Hickman laughing at himself. He may not. He seems like a serious guy. But the idea where Exodus says to one of the mutant kids, hey, why aren't you afraid? Why aren't you afraid of what happened? He's like, well, why should I be? If we die, we just come back. <laughs> I mean, really? And this is something that we've all said about the, the X books, where you've set it up where a lot of the stakes are taken out with that because the five will just bring them back. But what I do like is Exodus says, yes, that is true. And one of the kids says, our family and friends are going to come back, and for most of us, it's going to be like nothing happened. Yes, that, that's true, kids. But we can erase the effect but not the cause. And so are you afraid? And you end up having them chant in sing-song fashion as, you know, they're kind of the Krakoan youth going on here. You know, we do not fear death. We fear men and those like him. All right, that's what's happening. Look at the world they made. It's a world of hate and destruction. You know, it's kind of nonsense. Krakoa, paradise. Rest of the world, nonsense. And the one kid, well, why don't we stop him? Why don't we just wipe him out? As you know the Krakoan youth would say in, in their meetings and like oh no no you know if we do that we're as bad as them we don't want to be as bad as them Krakoan youth and and please as i say this i'm looking the kid does have a mohawk kind of though in a little Krakoan youth style so he's there he's ready and so you end up where exodus says i'm going to make sure though that we have people here protecting us and and we have a lot of people who will make it so that you guys all grow old and live in love as you should, unlike what would happen if we were in the regular world. And you will be in good hands. And so you end up then when he says, you know, you guys weren't here yesterday when the fight went down, but I'm sure you heard some whispers. And I'll tell you, it was Magneto. I mean, Magneto kicked mucho butto. He went ham. And he did. And that's what makes this whole issue I mean, we're almost halfway through the issue, and I like it. I, I like the progression. Summoner just gets me here in a weird way. But with this, when you end up then with the talk to the kids and having that, I like that. And then you get to Magneto where, hey, Magneto, we're getting attacked. We're getting attacked by these plant creatures. They're, they're alien, and we want to get you know rid of them. And I do like, too, where Magic is there. And Magic says, listen, we have all these attacks, three attacks. In less than three months. I hate to say it. You know. I don't like it. But we're getting pretty good at this. And then Magneto just looks at her and says. I'm tired of this. And it's like almost like. To me. This is like one of those things where. Th- there's been a raccoon trying to get into the. Get into the crops. I don't know what a raccoon does in the crops. But let's. That, uh, there, there's a fox. That keeps getting into the chicken coop. And the kids have to keep running to their dad, 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 the fox is in the chicken coop, the fox. is, And, you know, he comes out and he's like, oh, geez, you know, here we go. Oh, dad, dad, don't kill the fox. You know, all right. You know, shoo, fox, get out of here. Well, this is at a point now where dad has been woken up seven straight days. He's tired of it. And it's like, this is going to end. <laughs> it's time for dad to get the shotgun. And and I'm going to get that rep for going in both the crops and the chicken coop because i am sick of this nonsense and it ends now magneto gets out of bed he's actually meditating but we'll pretend that he was in bed he gets out to basically say i'm pissed and and i'm not gonna let this go and you even have where magic seems when when he says you know i'm tired of this and then he asks "Where's cyclops and the whole deal oh he's on the moon he's fighting there You know, all this stuff is going on. We're here. And he's like, you know, are you and the other captains heading to join there? Are you going to? Well, we'd like to. We have the cuckoo spidering our defensive web. So the cuckoos are involved. But it seems as if when Magneto's getting up and pissed and he's getting ready, it seems as if magic's getting fired up about it as well. She has a smirk on her face and says, so tell me, old man, feel like getting your hands dirty. And he now has his armor on. He's got his cape, his helmet. He's like, I may even dress for the occasion. And so you end up with the narration, a little hero where you end up Exodus continuing. So, kids, do you know who our hero is? Well, let me tell you. A hero fights for those who can't. You just see all of them, even the cuckoos going. But pretty much as Magneto, he's shooting his you know, balls. I don't mean he's shooting his balls. He's shooting his metal balls at the Cotati. ripping them apart as they're coordinating things with the cuckoos. There's a little bit of a line here, a little bit of a joke like, hey, uh, you know, you're doing good. Thank you, sir. Of course, Mindy. Actually, I'm Sophie. No time for that nonsense, child. And then later when Magneto says that he thinks he's talking to Mindy, she says, no, I'm Sophie. And there's no time for this nonsense. She throws it back at him as he's coordinating with Sage. And they're trying to get a feel. Sage has commandeered some weather satellites, but also some military satellites that are above Krakoa at that point. You end up having Black Tom. He's going to town. And Black Tom is pretty much taking it to the streets, giving it back to the Cotati with vegetation. That's kind of cool. You also have Iceman, who's Iceman in them. But then you also have Magma, who at this point is about to attack? You see Wolverine in the distance. At this point, you see Cyclops. It's kind of going against what we heard earlier, but you end up with all this stuff going on. And you end up there, hey, um, hey, uh, you know, Magma, did you go around and look to see where there were some volcanoes and stuff? Did did you go and look where we could use some, you know, volcanoes of Krakoa to attack? Yep, I did. All right, go to town. And so this is where I thought and I think that you kind of are supposed to believe that what, you know, what magma is going to do is just pretty much destroy everything with volcanoes. Uh, But that would also destroy a lot of Krakoa. But you see that it's a little smarter than that. And it's a little more of a plan. Because when you end up having this volcano erupt with the help of magma, you then have uh, Eric, call over to Iceman and say, hey, Bobby, you ready? You ready to cool this crap down? He's like, oh, yeah, not a problem. And so when the magma jumps up, he freezes it and it pretty much turns to metal. And that's what it is. It's liquid metal. He has now cooled it into metal. And it's kind of a funny line because it, it makes Magneto a badass. But it also makes Bobby a little bit dull. Where he's like, I don't know if this is going to work for you, it's a little brittle. <laughs> and I'm like, are you just setting him up for this? Because then Magneto says, broken metal with sharp edges. Huh, whatever will I do with that? Y- you all know what he's going to do. It- it's pretty much a thousand to a million spears, daggers of metal just flying around and just destroying the kotati to lead to it-, it, pretty much killing the pet of the main leader Of the Kotati that is there On Krakoa To bring him out And to Magneto And he does, he goes, he's like, whoever did this To my pet's gonna go down Who are you, you guys you know, you, Who dares do this, I mean, really I, How dare you And you end up having Magneto say, I dare And honestly, it's a failing That's plagued me my entire life, which is funny And then basically says I, I'm gonna give you The option here, the the good option is you get all of your nonsense here, all these plant jerks that you brought. You get on your damn ships and get the hell out of here. You get off our island, and when you do, forget about it. You you lose our number. You have lost Krakoa privileges. Get the hell out. And you end up having this lead, Kotati, end up saying, oh, you know, I have destroyed so many worlds and everyone has a meat bag like you. Everyone thinks that they're the best and they're going to threaten everything. But I'm the forest. I am the world. I don't lose. And in fact, when I end up, you know, if you think you're going to take me down, all it takes is a little seed and I'll be back. It may take a while, but I got time and I'll be back. And also, I just want you to know We grow because you meat bags, you know, that die and I'll just feed off of you. And that's how things work. We're the best. You're the rest. You know, you're 2008 and I'm 2008, but that doesn't make sense. I said it the wrong way. And then with that, you have Magneto. All right. And he's like, you know, so then this is the last thing he says to Magneto. So if that's a fight you're looking for then fight me. Magneto, I already have and I've already won. And a satellite crashes right on this kotati. Well, the thing is, the kotati—he breaks out of it. He's boom! He breaks out. Oh no! What are you up? Oh, Magneto dropped another satellite on, and then another, and then another, and then another, and then he ends up saying to Mindy the cuckoo, "Hey, you know, apologize. Tell Sage I'm sorry for stealing your satellites. Also." You know, go ahead and forward payment to the weather satellites to their governments who have those. And then she's like, well, what about the military ones? Oh, you mean the ones we're not supposed to know about? Yeah, we're just going to deny that plausible deniability is what we're going to say. So, yeah, screw them. And and the funny thing is when they end up saying when Sage is like, yep, we end up using those weather satellites above us. But also, you know, those military ones are just spying on them anyway. So in a cool way there. He's taken care of that as well. He, he's pretty much got two birds with one stone there in my mind. But, yeah, you end up then where, you know, you have all this and then you have Exodus still talking to the kids. And that, children, is what a hero is to what a hero does. Now, tell me, what's your hero's name? And they all start chanting Magneto, Magneto, Magneto. And then it's like, yes, Magneto. And he is mutant. And you just see, like, the continuing fight with the Katadi and things like that with Magneto in the middle. They're picking up the pieces. It's really good. It really is. And I love the pacing of it. And it's one of those things where even if this is in the Empire deal, and I'll tell you, this is probably of all anything with Empire on the cover, my favorite issue. My favorite issue of any of the Empire stuff. But not a ton happens. But that doesn't mean that a good writer can't give you a good story. And Jonathan Hickman, whether or not I want to bitch and moan about him sometimes and yell or whatever, he's a good writer. And he can turn something that anybody else would have had as just a nonsense issue. Oh, Magneto, he fought back and and, and turns it into a badass issue that is my favorite Empire issue of all of them. And that's why when this happens – this is why I get upset about, say, an X Factor or an Excalibur that seems to be trying a little too hard to do something, and that's one of the things. I'll go back to Leah Williams and X Factor. It, it it seems like she's trying too hard to be different, too hard to be funny, too hard to be wacky, and it does. It comes out forced. It comes out not as good. This issue and and Jonathan Hickman. While I still think that the main X Men book doesn't give you enough of the big story throughout the whole dawn of x stuff it, it you can't just and i think that that's one of the things as a ploy so that you can't just buy that book and know. but with that though y- you do something like this and it just it feels big even if it's not it feels you know huge it, it's great you're pumping your fist even though i don't care about the Kotadi and Just the idea that I read this to do this after Empire was done. So I know none of this mattered. I know that this Empire nonsense didn't pan out for me at least. So this should I should be reading this getting angry and saying, Oh, you know what? But no, you end up being able to have an empire tie-in, the Cotadir there. But you remember that you're writing it for X-Men fans, and so you show. Kick-ass, this issue Is very similar To the issue where I Really love the idea Where you had Apocalypse say That he ended the Bronze Age I love issues that show you How badass these characters Are, and In this, it's so cool because Magneto, now It's not even a good or bad side with the mutants There's just one side, unless Madeline Pryor Gets involved, but with that, you know He's showing you that even though he's on Krakoa, even though he is just, you know, he's one with the plan, no killing humans, and that doesn't mean aliens, and that doesn't mean plant creatures, and he goes to town reminding you how badass he is, reminding you that he can unleash hell on anything that he wants to, and it really played out well because of that. I am going to give it, I, I almost want to give it less points uh, well, first off, Summoner Freaks. Did I mention Summoner Freaks me out? Uh, but I, I want to give it less points just because it is an Empire tie-in. That didn't really matter, but I'm, I'm going to give it a bonus for that. And I have not given you know a 9-5 to an X-Book in whenever, and I, I'm going to give this a 9-5 because it does exactly what it's supposed to do. It ties in to the to Empire deal, but also gives something for... X-Men fans, Magneto fans, all that in a over-the-top way that still still seems subtle for some reason, but I really liked it. So there you go. Positive note. Positive tip to end it. I thought it was really cool. I just want to end this Empire too. Let's get it over with. I, I have personally, I have one more issue to deal with. It is that aftermath issue, and then I will put Empire to bed and then smother it with a pillow. That's what I'm going to do after I put it to bed. That's how I roll here. Uh, but thanks for listening to me ramble on about four X-Men books. And I have another four X-Men issue episode coming up later on in this week. So look for that as well. But thanks, and I will talk to you soon.